Welcome to the Canola Watch Podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Our topic for this fertilizer podcast is how to identify macronutrient deficiencies in canola plants. To provide their expertise, I have... Hello, I'm Warren Ward, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. Hi there, it's uh, Lyle Cowell. I am a manager of agronomy services with Nutrinag Solutions up in Northeast Saskatchewan. Hello, I'm Tom Jensen. I'm a soil scientist and agronomist. Uh, I do private consulting now, and I do some instruction at both the University of Lethbridge and Olds College. Tom Jensen leads off answering the question, what is the most common macronutrient deficiency in canola in Western Canada? It has changed over time. Uh, it used to be that we there were pockets of sulfur deficiency, but I think the industry, the Canola Council, among others, have uh, helped people to understand the importance of sulfur nutrition, and we don't see sulfur deficiencies as much as we used to. Nowadays, it's more nitrogen possibly potassium, and uh, there are pockets of phosphorus deficiency, but they're, they're harder to diagnose. Lyle, what do you think? What are you, what are you seeing up in your part of the, the uh, prairies? I'd really agree 100% with Tom. Uh, when I started my career many decades ago, seeing a sulfur deficiency in canola, it was quite common to see that, and uh, we've maybe played that card too long in, in some sense in that we rarely see a sulfur deficiency and uh, w with the focus that has been on it in the past. And the deficiency we see, as Tom says, I think are more subtle, uh, maybe not uh, nitrogen deficient in terms of severe deficiency, but subtle, you know, perhaps subtle deficiencies are just perhaps not using quite the right rate in the right place uh, across a field. Um, our soils are are naturally phosphorus deficient. Uh, most farmers apply adequate phosphorus, but we also may not be managing it sometimes as best as we can. And I do actually see, I think we've taken our uh, eye off of potassium a little bit too often, and I suspect that we, I, I actually have seen potassium deficient canola in northeast Saskatchewan, severely potassium deficient canola. and. Perhaps there's subtle deficiencies in potassium that we're, we're sometimes missing as well. It, it has been quite a, quite a significant change over the, over the past couple of decades. Um, the one thing that I think is maybe happening a little bit more than people realize again is that phosphorus deficiency, just because it is so hard to see. So while it might be happening, it, uh, it may not be diagnosed as such. And in some cases, that's not happening because of... Uh, of a lack of nutrient availability. There's other factors, I think, that could be going on in the fields that could be leading to some of these deficiency symptoms. So for instance, if it's really dry out there and, and the plant just isn't able to, to take up some of those nutrients out of the soil, I have seen that uh, in, in, uh, in a number of fields there where um, once, once it did get some more moisture and started, uh, the rain came and the plant had more availability to the nutrients in the soil that, you know, what I was suspecting was that phosphorus deficiency did go away. Um, that can also uh, work kind of flip side for some of your more mobile nutrients too. So I've seen the, in similar situations, or I guess opposite situations where there was too much rain on some sandier soil 
Uh, we saw some leaching of the sulfur out of the root zone and, and actually did still see some sulfur deficiencies. So, you know, it, it really does vary, I think, a little bit region to region too, as Lyle was, was mentioning when you're looking at nutrient deficiencies, because different areas are just going to be inherently more susceptible to, uh, to certain deficiencies. Okay, let's go through nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium then one by one, um, and then talk about what what would a deficiency look like? So let's let's start with nitrogen. Uh, we'll go back to you, Tom. What does a nitrogen deficiency look like in canola? Part of the challenge is we're often taught and, and we discuss about severe deficiencies. And I, I agree with Lyle. Lots of times we, we don't see the real severe deficiencies. Um, most people tend to, you know, put down reasonable rates of fertilizer and so forth. And we don't see real severe, but we might have mild cases and um, the plants would be less thrifty, not as green, and uh, they would tend not to, the canola plants wouldn't branch as much. They, they would be more spindly. Um, and again, it, it, you rarely see like a grid road to grid road deficiency. It would be more pockets of areas uh, where there may be less available nitrogen. And um, it, it takes knowledge and experience to sort of pick those areas out and, and be able to make a decision. Would top dressing nitrogen benefit here or not? I, I think we are moving forward and uh, to a place where we can now not just target a yield on a field, but target those yields within the field and the and start to differentiate between the right rate of nitrogen in each landscape within a field. And, and that's our next step in actually addressing what are not, not severe nitrogen deficiencies, but maybe just addressing yield potential and matching that with uh, most efficient nitrogen rate ap rates and application techniques. The only other thing I would add uh, would be that if you're seeing plants that are showing some deficiency symptoms, is where would you look? So if we're thinking about in uh, some of these younger stages, uh, or even the older stages uh, for that matter, but nitrogen is mobile within that plant. So where we're first going to see that yellowing of the leaves would be in those lower leaves. So the plant will start to remobilize that nitrogen from those lower leaves and send it to the newer growth. So that's one thing to keep in mind. If it's those older leaves that you're seeing the symptoms in, then it's likely uh, a nitrogen that you'd be deficient in. So if we wanted to compare that to sulfur, we could look at if our oldest, or sorry, if our youngest leaves, so those growing points, if they're what's showing that deficiency, if they're yellowing, uh, their leaves are a little smaller, then that's most likely a sulfur deficiency rather than nitrogen because sulfur is not mobile in the plant. So it's going to show up, in, when it's deficient, it's going to show up in that youngest growth first. Next, we discuss phosphorus. We start with Lyle Cowell. What would be a sign, if, if I know it's hard to tell, but what would be a sign that maybe you've got a phosphorus deficiency situation? Well, phosphorus is, it, it's, doesn't create, it's probably one of our most, well, it is one of our most, or sometimes the most nutrient deficient in fields. Um, and yet it doesn't create exciting deficiency symptoms. It, it just slower growth, uh, shorter plants, in our, it becomes important because in our short growing season, uh, any any loss in, in rapid maturity is a risk to 
to damage in the fall from frost. So that, the slow growth and, and uh, delayed maturity is is really all that you're going to see for most phosphorus deficiencies. Um, in a textbook, or if you were to look for pictures of phosphorus deficiency, you may see uh, descriptions of purpling and, and other symptoms within a plant, but those are only in the really very severe uh, deficiency scenarios. And realistically, again, we're, we're really just looking at subtle differences in, in uh, well, in the end, it's reduced energy of the plant, you know, slower growth and slower maturation of the, of the crop. If a farmer wants to know uh, what type of response they're getting with their phosphorus, I always encourage farmers to simply turn off their their seed roll blend of phosphorus, and they'll have a quick a quick measure of the value of phosphorus in, you know, on their on their field in the year of application. Here's Tom Jensen. Again, it'll be patchy in fields, and if if you want to see the classic deficiencies, if you've got rolling somewhat hilly land. Uh, look at the plants when they're young towards the eroded uh, upper slope and, and uh, tops of the knoll. And often you, you may see classic uh, phosphorus deficiency because of the low organic matter and the high pH of those eroded areas. And uh, sometimes that's a good place to, to look. Uh, the rest of the field looks reasonably good, but those eroded areas may may show some of those classic deficiencies that Lyle mentioned. If the deficiency is hard to see, would a soil test or a tissue analysis help at all? Yes, that that's um, probably one of the best ways to tell if you're low in phosphorus. Maybe not, you know, hyper deficient, but low is uh, by taking some representative plant samples and having those analyzed. Uh, the labs can do a, a good job of telling you what the percent phosphorus is in those plants and um, can give you a good idea whether you're low. Sometimes it's difficult to do anything in the year of that year, but uh, it can help you, especially for future crops. Lyle Cowell describes the value of a comparative tissue test. Tissue testing can be very valuable and it can be misleading. And one of the best ways to use tissue testing in trying to diagnose a deficiency is to use comparative tissue tests. If you are in a field and you suspect that part of the landscape is deficient in in a nutrient, then sample the good and compare that to the bad plants. Two samples, the good versus bad plants, and send it in as a comparative test, and you will learn far more, far, far more from a comparative test than you ever will from an individual tissue test from a field. Warren Ward provides a final thought on phosphorus. Yeah, just that uh, this is likely one deficiency that you're more likely to to see showing up later in the year, uh, just as that plant starts to to mature. Um, uh, Lyle talked about the deliberate check strips. Maybe check some of those non-deliberate check strips too, or maybe... uh, there was a, a seed seed grow uh, seed place fertilizer run was plugged or something like that, or uh, maybe uh, you, if you know your tank ran out and you just wanted to get to the other end of the field and you seeded back that way anyway. Those are always good places to come back and check. Finally, potassium. Tom describes the current potassium situation. You know we've been so good at saying, see our soils 
are naturally quite high in potassium. We really don't need to add much. And, and um, that's true except for the sandy soils, you know, the sandy loam. They probably originally had enough potassium, but after, you know, a lot of the soils, almost 100 years of cropping, um, there may not be as much uh, availability of potassium as there, as there used to be. Lyle, how do you identify a potassium deficiency? Well, uh, interestingly, I, I, I've been in the field as an agronomist for decades, and I've never, I, the first time I saw potassium deficient canola was only a couple of years ago. Um, and it's, it's very interesting symptoms. So deficiencies in, in canola uh, begin with the older leaves. You have uh, chlorosis and modeling of the leaves initially, and that can slowly lead to necrosis or death of the plant tissue. Again, really, really isolated on the older tissue. The, um, the, the newer tissue will often be reasonably normal looking, depending on the level of severity. Um, another key symptom, and, and I, I think we have to remember that we grow canola in a rotation, and the the crop that is most likely in your rotation to define potassium deficiency is going to be one of the cereals, and, and certainly most likely barley. So if you are thinking of your fertilizer management in rotation with other crops and, and uh, keeping canola in mind, uh, you should watch your barley crops, and actually, I, today I just I did see a potassium deficient barley crop. What triggers one per, uh, one early in the season to see for deficiency symptoms in potassium is that the swath rows will look better than the rest of the field, and this is because potassium is very easily leached out of straw. Uh, leached out of the chaff behind the combine and so is also very readily recycled or cycled back to the next crop. So there'll actually be an accumulation of potassium where last year's crop residue is deposited from behind the combine. So that's a that can be a really great telltale sign that you are running into potassium deficiency. If you're starting to see better crop where where the last year's residue is deposited and in particular with cereals you don't see this as visually uh, as visually with canola or other crops, but nevertheless, this is a good indication that in your rotation, you need to start addressing potassium nutrition. And we, we have taken our eye off the needle with potassium. Uh, as When I started my career, potassium was inexpensive to the farmers, so often was just put in the blend because it was inexpensive. Then as it became more expensive, a lot of blends start to lose potassium and uh, so we are starting to see more symptoms we continually remove a little bit every year not very much but a little bit every year and we're slowly those marginally deficient fields uh, in potassium are starting to actually affect yield the the one field the one soil I will add that you will almost always see potassium deficiency in, and, and remembering that I'm in northeast Saskatchewan is in PD soils so not just the sandy soils, but in those peaty soils um, are very high risk to potassium deficiency. Warren closes this podcast with some thoughts on scouting for deficiencies.
my thought there, Jay, is that as we're out there, we're going to be in the field scouting for weeds, scouting for emergence, and always just keep the keep nutrients in mind as well. Um, you know, anytime there's a problem in a field, there generally can be more than one cause, but uh, you know, try and rule out everything and and keep uh, keep nutrients in mind as you're doing so. You know, whether it's uh, something weather related, uh, herbicide related, nutrient related. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that can go on there, and some of them do look quite similar. So, the more information you can have, and the more pictures of of that you can see, the easier it is to to make those those um, evaluations. Thanks, Warren, Lyle, and Tom. You can find more information on macronutrient deficiencies in the fertilizer management section at canolaencyclopedia.ca. To see photo evidence of how quickly potassium can leach out of swaths, look for the 2015 article called K Release from Canola Swaths at canolawatch.org. Canola Watch is a research-based agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada in cooperation with the Provincial Canola Grower Associations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter.